everybody. Today we're going to be talking about what I call my expanded view of the Kosha model. This is really based on kind of a combination of the philosophy in yoga or really the the underpinnings of yoga therapy depends a lot on what we call the Kosha model or the Pancha Kosha, the five layers that make up our being. And then I took some of the concepts that we really lean on heavily in occupational therapy, which is understanding a person within their context. I feel like the Kosha model is wonderful. I love to talk about these different layers that are very interactive, that create an overall healthy functioning person. But I think it sort of looks at a person in a bubble or in a vacuum. It doesn't take into consideration all of those external factors that really are a very strong influence on our health and our functioning. So I took those two areas and merged them together and this is what I got. So a little bit of background about the koshas. I have individual videos that explain each of the koshas in detail. So I'm not going to do that here. You can go back and watch that series. But the koshas are basically the layers that make up our being, but we kind of imagine them as those Russian nesting dolls where there's one inside the other inside the other. But they're not firm borders. They're very porous. So what happens on one layer is going to affect the other layer and the other layer and the other layer. So it's something that really speaks to how interconnected all of our systems are. But when we go down to the very core, down at the center, we have the true self or the soul or sometimes you'll see that as the Atman. And the layer that goes around that is the bliss body or the bliss sheath, the Anandamaya Kosha. And then we have the wisdom layer, our ability to discern and discriminate and make choices. This is some of our deeper thinking, the higher level thinking. The Manamaya Kosha is the mind, the thought process, and the emotions. So just the wisdom sheath and the mind sheath are always an interesting um, layer to really look at what happens on one or the other. But again, it's not a hard division between them. Very porous. One affects the other strongly, especially the ones that are really close to each other. We move out a layer and we get to that very important layer in yoga, which is the pranamaya kosha, the energy body. And then we come out to the food body or the physical body. The reason it's called the food body is because we think of this as the part of our being that is literally kept alive by the food that we eat and the water that we drink. That external nourishment that we take in impacts the food body. And then if we went back down to that energy layer, the pranamaya kosha, the energy layer is really strongly affected by the air that we take in, and I would even take that a step further and say the sensory input that we take in, but I'll talk about that a little bit more as we move up. That line 
right there. I put a star on either side of the division between. That's the classic five layers of the kosha system. And then up here is where you kind of go into my expanded way of looking at the system to understand the person in context. And we start to look at the layers of what context that person exists within. The very first one is what I called the close physical environment. And think like really close. Uh, this is like the things that are actually touching your body, your clothing that you wear, the maybe lotions or anything that's actually touching your physical body. These are the things that are going to have a strong effect on the microbiome that exists on the outside of your body. The type of soap that you use, the water that you're washing with, doesn't necessarily get ingested like we think of with the food body, but these are the things that you're coming into physical contact with on a very regular basis. So they have a close impact on your health and your well-being. We take that out one more layer and sensory environment, the things that are all around you that your body is constantly taking in and interpreting and that's having an impact on you. The fact that the sun is out today, I can't tell you how much more energetic I feel today compared to yesterday when it was cloudy and rainy. And that's because of the sensory information that I'm getting from the sun today. It's changing my internal chemistry a bit. It's changing my mood. So it's going all the way down to like that mental emotional layer and probably a little bit um, even farther down. The sensory environment that we exist in, I feel like it's one of those things that we sort of forget about because it's always there. It's so constant, but it's the music that you're listening to. It's the visual information that you're taking in. It is everything that you can touch and that you can feel, the sense of gravity. So when we're doing yoga, we turn the body in different orientations to gravity. That's a form of sensory input to the vestibular system, our kind of balance and orientation system. So the sensory environment is something that I really like to highlight when you're talking about yoga therapy. But even in the context of just a regular group yoga class, we use sensory information without even thinking about it. It's kind of a natural thing that yoga teachers do. You adjust the music, you adjust the lighting, you might give your students a blanket to cover them up and give them a little bit of external pressure. We love to use sandbags, which gives us deep pressure, which is a, a settling input to the body. So all of those things go together to create the sensory environment that we live in. The next one is our close social connections. So the other beings that we come in contact with on a daily or almost daily basis. Think your family members, the people that you physically live with, your pets, your children, all of those people that you have very close social connections to. Those social connections are going to impact the way that you live your life. They say that the the five people who are the closest around you are really going to help to shape and mold who you are as a person and the decisions that you make. So that close social connection is a very important way of understanding who this person is within the context of who the people are around them. What is their social network look like? And then we go to the surrounding physical environment. 
So not necessarily necessarily the things that are physically coming in contact with your body like we were in the close physical environment, but the the surrounding physical environment is like the house that you live in, the car that you drive, the building that you go to work in, the yoga studio that you practice in, the structures that provide safety and protection as we go about the tasks of our day and as we fill the roles that we have within our social connections. We take that out to our extended social connections. So think like your extended friend and family network. These are the people who you might only see at weddings, funerals, and specific holidays, but they're still within that social network. They won't have quite as strong of an impact on your decisions and your day-to-day -day life as your close social connections would, but they're still really important. And a lot of times when we go through times that are difficult. Of course, our close social connections are really important, but during difficult times, a lot of times you'll see your extended social connections kind of pull in to offer more help. So we know through research that social connections are one of the main components to being a healthy human. Things like loneliness can have a very significant impact on your health and your wellness. So that's why I feel like this stuff is so important to look at when we're trying to understand what creates a healthy being, what factors should we be considering when we are creating a yoga therapy program or we're trying to understand how to make ourselves into the healthiest, most functioning version of ourselves that extended social network is also an important thing to consider. Okay, so your extended physical context, we're, go, we're like kind of zooming out as we go up. The extended physical context is the state that you live in, the country that you live within, the city, uh, the really larger scope, if we like zoomed out on Google Earth, <laughs> that's your extended physical context. There are constraints that exist within that extended physical context. You have to exist within the rules and the laws and the social norms of that area that you live in. That might be very different if you live here in New Jersey, like I do, or if you lived in the middle of the desert out by Death Valley. Different rules very different weather, very different uh, social context, and very different cultural context if you moved from one side of the country to the other. There really can be a lot of things that change with that. We go even farther out, we're still zooming out that Google Earth view, and we look at the global connection. So not just the country that you're in, but think of the entire world and especially right now during this whole experience of the coronavirus and social distancing and staying at home, this has been an experience that has impacted every country in the world. And pretty much everybody that you talk to, even if it's somebody on the other side of the globe, I was talking to somebody this morning from Australia through Instagram, and we were talking a little bit about teaching online and adapting to the situation. So 
there was a strong sense of global connection that this person on the other side of the planet teaching yoga in Australia is having some of those really similar challenges that we're facing over on this side. The global connection, I also like to think of it as going beyond just that connection to the human beings on the planet, but also the connection to what we would call all sentient beings or all really all forms of life the trees and the plants and every form of life that exists on this planet, their fate is interwoven. So understanding that gives us this really nice idea of how we are part of the global connection. The global economy, again right now we're seeing how strongly connected the financial status of one country is with another country. And I also like to think about the movie that came out, oh gosh, a long time ago, called The Butterfly Effect, where it was based on that idea that if a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the world, the ripple effect from that can eventually cause a, a hurricane or something on the other side of the world. And if we think about our piece of that, the decisions that we are making on a daily basis, the habits that we have on a daily basis that we would think would only really impact maybe our, our close social connections and our close physical environment actually have a much bigger ripple effect than we tend to think about on a daily basis. That global connection can be such a helpful thing too when we're thinking about our own problems and our own struggles, that we are definitely not alone in those things, that within the global connection, other people are going through those exact same struggles that we are. Okay, and that brings me to the last and the top layer, and we just continue that process of zooming out to the universal view. So coming away from planet Earth to the Milky Way and beyond, thinking about us as being this person that exists within that context of the Milky Way, of the entire universe. And I also like to think about that as a way to connect to something greater than yourself, something beyond yourself. You might want to think about a connection to a higher power, if that's something that you have within your spiritual practice. That is kind of the overall encompassing circle, right? Because a lot of times the kosha system is drawn as these concentric circles, one nested within the other. My board was not big enough to fit the entire circle on, so we kind of have this, this snippet of the circle, but you get the idea. It's the layers that keep building out and out. So I hope that this helps you to understand why it's so important to think about a human being within the context that they exist because all of these things are influencing these things. So when we're using yoga in a therapeutic system to have the effect of improving somebody's functioning and improving somebody's wellness, we don't just want to look at these but we have to really think about how the context the person is living in is influencing them. And sometimes when we are doing something like yoga therapy, the new term that I've been seeing more and more is lifestyle medicine. That when we're trying to have a therapeutic effect on somebody, it is 
working on the environment around them, the social connections that they have, the habits and the roles that they fill every day. When we can have an impact on that, those things are going to impact that person's health. If they're in a job that's really, really not working for them and it's really draining to them, and they're able to make that lifestyle change to a new position that really fuels their passion and they're excited and engaged with it, that can have a huge impact on that person's health. Working on eating habits and the food that you're putting into that food sheath there, all of those things go into that idea of lifestyle medicine. And the way that you feed your food body is very often strongly connected to your close social connections. If the people that you are eating meals with tend to eat really healthy, nutritious food, you will probably make better food choices. If the people that you are eating with are really into pizza and french fries, you will probably gravitate in that direction too. So keep that in mind. The context is so important. Thank you for being here and taking the time to listen to this talk.